Tim Kelly, by some minor miracle, the Phillies are still, still mathematically alive for a playoff spot. They are. I mean, don't you have playoff fever right now? <laughs> I, if I had any fever, they wouldn't let me in the building. I have to take my <laughs> my temperature. Phillies Nation and Radio.com does a hell of a job. Uh, he used to produce my program for for a while, too. We had a lot of fun with that. Is our buddy Tim Kelly. All right, let's start with this week. Tim, when you have got two aces and one that's being very well paid in, uh, in Zach Wheeler, but you've got two aces in your rotation in Nola and Wheeler, and they come up short not once, not twice, but, I mean, what, four, four five of the last starts here, the Mets, the Nationals, you've got aces, guys that are paid to stop losing streaks, guys that are you know paid to be the stalwarts of a rotation, and they have failed this team in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's not great. I would say today, though, Zach Wheeler pitched into the eighth inning. He did give up four runs and seven hits was not his best start of the season. But it it almost felt like Zach Wheeler had to throw a complete game today for the Phillies to win. And if you're at that point at this stage of the season where to get in you need pitchers to throw nine innings or you're probably going to lose the game, maybe you're just not a playoff team. No, you're right about that. And and you could tell Girardi was trying to squeeze another inning out of him, you know, before he, you know, reluctantly picked up the phone uh, you know, and made the call to the bullpen, although Brogdon was great. He struck out the three hitters uh, that, that he faced. Uh, but And I, sp- I discussed this on the postgame. I thought maybe the approach tonight, he had a dominant fastball high in the zone. Some of those hitters were way behind, swing and miss stuff, and he was trying to put some of these hitters away with breaking pitches. And this is a Tampa Bay Ray team that is a contact-induced team. They, they're, they're, they don't have really a lot of power. They do make a lot of contact. And on that turf down in St. Petersburg, a lot of those balls sneak through. I just thought tonight maybe that the, the, the plan of attack uh, to some of these Rays hitter in this particular game, and, and it's happened in a couple of games before, uh, just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I think I'd probably agree with that assessment because it's not like he gave up a 400-foot home run. He really he got nickeled and dimed in that fifth inning with singles where they just hit him where the Phillies weren't. So right. it, 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 that's one of the reasons I struggle to come on here and blast Zach Wheeler tonight because outside of that inning, he was excellent. And even in that inning, the Rays just put it where the Phillies weren't, and, and sometimes that happens, unfortunately – in this case, it happened in a situation where it absolutely couldn't. All right. Now, they are still alive, okay? The, the, the percentage, the chances of them getting in are slim, but it's not impossible. St. Louis needs this game because I believe, and you tell me if I'm wrong, if the Cardinals lose to the Brewers, they may have to go play the Tigers a doubleheader on Monday. That's still a possibility that it hangs out there. The, what the Phillies need tomorrow is mm-hmm. the Phillies win, the Brewers lose, and the Giants lose. Correct. So, so the Cardinals possible. The Cardinals have a lot of incentive to beat the Brewers tomorrow. They don't want to play a doubleheader on Monday against Detroit, number one. Number two, the Padres are establishing themselves as it, maybe not the Kings of California. Right now those are the Dodgers. But the next team in California, you know, they've been down for so long. It's a very young team. It's not a bunch of veterans that are going to, you know, they don't play till Wednesday. So, you know, they'll play most of their regulars tomorrow, uh, will the Padres. And they're enthusiastic enough that to throw a wrench into, into a San Francisco Giant team that has dominated them 
for most of this uh, of this century, basically, I think they'll have incentive tomorrow also, Tim. Yeah, I'm interested to see that because the Padres did pull Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis in like the sixth inning tonight. So I don't think they're going to rest all their starters, but they're also not going to be pushing for an extra inning game if, it, if it's a, a close game late in the game. That game, to me, is the most likely outcome that goes in the Phillies' direction that the Padres beat the Giants. The Brewers, I, I, I would tend to think, will win, and then that would eliminate the Phillies. And it, none of it matters if the Phillies don't win, which, to this point, over this, uh, I've asked Adam Morgan, I asked Zach Wheeler tonight, none of them seem to appreciate the question, but I've asked a bunch of guys, why does it keep happening in September that this team collapses and it has happened again this year. It's a different manager, and it, it just feels like it's the same story we've seen from the last two years, which doesn't leave you with a great feeling heading into tomorrow, even with Aaron Noll on the mound. But, Tim, is it the calendar, or is it the amount of weeks into the season? Because, yeah, this is September, but it really, if you think about it, it's really May. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's really the second full month of the season or maybe early June as far as the baseball, you know, body calendar is concerned. Yeah, it is, but I don't think you can convince me that a team that has had these type of collapses in back-to-back years, and not all these guys have been here, but uh, they're aware of it. If this was another team, then I'd say, yeah, whatever, it's just one of those things. This is the third consecutive year you've seen it happen in September, and maybe it has to do with the weather changing. Whatever the case may be, I do think there has to be a mental aspect of it at this point that the calendar flips to September, and the Phillies are well aware that this month has not gone the way they've liked for a few years now. Interesting take. All right, I'm going to give you a name. You say stay or go, okay? Player either stays next year, you want him back, or adios, see you, don't let the door hit you, cab, meter's running, there's a taxi waiting for him. All right? Yeah. Gene Segura. Stay. 100%. I think he's been one of the most valuable players on this team this year. Contractually, I don't think they're going to be able to move him even if they wanted to. I think they should put him at second base. He's the best second baseman on this team and one of the best in the league. Didi Gregorius. That one is a bit more of a push. If you can get Didi Gregorius on basically the same deal you signed him to this year for another one-year stopgap with a, a giant free agent class of shortstops with Lindor and Javier Baez and Carlos Correa looming next offseason and the possibility that maybe Bryson Stott's closer, then you bring Didi back. But I, I don't know that that's in 100% you have to do this situation. I don't see the Phillies giving him three or four years. Where does Alec Bohm play next year? Where does Reese Hoskins play next year? Bohm is clearly, I, we saw he is clearly a better first baseman than third baseman. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I asked Joe Girardi this exact question last weekend, and he told me they're happy with the progression that Alec Bohm has made and it would work out best for them if he stays at third base. And that's true. It would. If if he pans out at third base, of course, that's the best-case scenario. The reality, though, is his defensive metrics at that position are abysmal this season. And I think he has looked much more comfortable at first base. And Reese Hoskins has never graded out tremendously as a first baseman either. I, I just think they're going to go into next season, though, with Bohm at third base 
and Reese Hoskins at first base. That could change. The regime in charge of this all could change. But right now, I think that's where we're at. If that is the case, where does Scott Kingry play? It's a good question. I mean, I, I do think you have to ask yourself, Scott Kingry has now had three seasons in the major leagues, and of course there's extenuating circumstances this year. But as Scott Kingry has had two bad seasons out of three. So I, I don't think he should necessarily be guaranteed a spot but it could be a little bit of everything. If G. Gregorius leaves, maybe you move Segura back to short. Maybe you play Kingery at short. And then you also have the fact that in center field, I asked Joe Girardi about this today. He doesn't think that either one of those, he saw things he liked from Roman Quinn and Adam Hazley, but neither one of them has screamed to him that I need to start 125 games the next, next season with their play. So to me, center field is probably the best option, but the reality is we've spent all this time talking about he needs to get to second base, he needs to get to second base. He has clearly been inferior at second base to Gene Segura this season, and the reality may just be he's best in that super utility role, and that is not a bad thing. Roman Quinn, does he stay, does he go? Adam Hazley, do you give him the job and say, you know, sink or swim for a full season? I think Roman Quinn stays in some form, but you cannot expect him to be your everyday center fielder. As far as Adam Hazley, it's a wait-and-see thing. I don't think they're going to give him the job in center field. Nothing I've seen this year from how Joe Girardi's made out his lineup suggests to me that they think he can play against left-handed pitchers and even or right left-handed pitchers. And even against some righties, he hasn't started them there. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's moved for a pitcher or something this offseason. But I also wouldn't be shocked if you come back next year and you have Kingery as an option. You have Hazley as an option, and you have Roman Quinn as an option in center. I think Matt Clintac at some point loses his job here very, very soon. Regardless of what happens tomorrow, I think Clintac is gone. I am making Tim Kelly the new general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. What are your three big offseason moves to help this team going forward? <laughs> wow. Um I think you, I wouldn't have made, and I've said this at the time, so this is not revisionist history, I would not have made any trade giving up Sixto Sanchez the other year. That said, you made that trade, and you put yourself into a corner where you have to re-sign JT Real Muto, so that's that. That's number, second, so number one, you're going to overspend for Real Muto, but you have to. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, Because, I, I think because there's a guy about 90, 100 miles to the mm -hmm. north that's about to buy the baseball team in Queens that has, you know, $13 billion next to his name as far as his worth is concerned, is a fan of the team and would love nothing more than to steal his neighbor to the South's best player and fill in his catcher situation with the Mets. You know that. Yeah, I do know that, and that's one of the reasons. I'm getting major Billy Wagner vibes here, that you have a guy come here for two years, be a star, and then leave for the Mets. So the fact that you made this trade within your division to begin with, you gave up a guy that looks like he could be a frontline starter. You obviously got an excellent player, but you have put yourself in a position where it's going to be a disaster. Probably less so if a new GM comes in here and doesn't re-sign JT Real Muto. But if Matt Klintak is back next season and doesn't re-sign JT Real Muto, it just it leaves you wondering. I can't fathom if that decision is made that it was coming from him. It makes me think there were other considerations, such as financial. If I'm the GM, 
I'm probably moving Alec Boehm to first base and using Reese Hoskins as a DH. Uh-huh. I don't think that's. What the, I don't think that's what the Phillies are going to do. But I think that's what I would do. And, and, and I have I have heard, by the way, Tim, that the universal DH has not been agreed upon. But of the changes from this year that are most likely to stick next year, the universal DH is probably the most likely. I would say though the the one problem with having a guy like Hoskins as your everyday DH, because you lose it for other veterans. And, I mean, I, I've watched Andrew McCutcheon this season. The reality is his bat still looks really good. He has not graded out well in left field this season. And if you have a guy like Hoskins that's young and maybe not a great fielder but can be out there every day and not wear down, maybe you're best off still having Reese at first and Alec Bohm at third base in leaving that DH spot open like you did this year for veterans and I think maybe using Andrew McCutcheon more in that spot. But who knows? The bullpen, where, where do you start? You have to redo the entire thing. Yeah. Essentially. I, I, I want Liam Hendricks from the Athletics. That's the first mm-hmm. That's the first guy I signed. Who would you bring in here? Yeah, I mean, Liam Hendricks. I said last offseason, signed Blake Trine. And so the Phillies haven't had a lot of luck. And this is the problem with bringing any of these guys in. I hear a lot of people say, oh, there's no talent in this bullpen. There's plenty of talent in this bullpen. Maybe you over-evaluated certain talents to a degree. But, I mean, David Phelps and Brandon Workman, they were getting outs on other teams and have for years now. So th- there's a bigger problem that you have to figure out. Why is this with multiple different coaching staffs that relievers come here over the last few seasons and, and just collapse? Some of it – has been guys like Pat Neshek and David Robertson where you just went to the well one too many times. But other guys that have gotten outs elsewhere come here and it's a disaster. And I don't think that can be as simple as the GM who, I mean, the GM isn't in there on day-to-day decisions on what pitch are we going to throw here, the sequencing, things like that. Mm -hmm. So why is it that you keep getting these veterans that have success elsewhere they come to Philadelphia, and it's a disaster. That's an analytics question. All right, 30 seconds left. Do they get into the playoffs tomorrow, later on today, whichever you prefer? And if they do, can they give the Dodgers, with Wheeler and Nola and Eflin, who's been pitching well, can they give the Dodgers a run for their money with those three pitchers on the mound? No and no. <laughs> An eternal optimist is our buddy Tim Kelly. You'll probably podcast this somewhere, Tim. I know that. So tell the folks where they can follow you on Twitter, where they can hear everything you do. Yeah, this will be on philliesnation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Kelly Sports. And, of course, I do national sports stuff, MLB and NFL stuff for radio.com. Eagles win tomorrow? Yeah, I like the Eagles tomorrow. I mean, I don't like the Eagles. If they don't win tomorrow, they're in big. They might be in the tank for Trevor conversation because after that, you have the 49ers and the Steelers. So you might be looking at 0 and 5 or 0 and 6 start if you don't win tomorrow. Ouch, Tim. Thank you, my friend. All right, thanks, Erky. You got it. That's Tim Kelly, Phillies Nation, and our own Radio Punto. That's Spanish for dot. Radio dot com. <laughs> 